Please welcome Jonathan Stone. He was a nice little boy, well-behaved, very smart, six-year-old. His parents were medical missionaries in a remote village somewhere in Latin America, very concerned about the physical and spiritual well-being of the kid. So they kept after him, you know, be careful with germs, wash your hands, pray to Jesus before you eat, be careful with germs, brush your teeth, pray before you go to bed, be careful with... One day, day, the little guy was so fed up, and he said, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all I hear in this house. And I can see either one. And the little kid was right, you know. Germs and Jesus. We cannot see germs. Unless we try, of course. And we cannot see Jesus unless we try, of course. Because we cannot see germs, we have developed means to see germs. You know, uh, the microscope and other scientific means to see germs. And also, we have developed ways to see Jesus. You know, we have uh, doctrines to see the theological Jesus. We have... Uh, moral rules to see the practical Jesus. We have uh, liturgy to see the symbolic Jesus. We have uh, beautiful cathedrals and buildings, paintings and sculptures to see the artistic Jesus. Uh, just to see germs is safe. And just to see Jesus is pretty safe. The problem is if you get infected. <laughs> but there again, you see, you, you can avoid getting infected. The way that guy that you read about in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, avoided getting infected. According to that uh, passage of Scripture, he comes to Jesus because he wants to see Jesus, and he presented Jesus with a question. What must I do to have eternal life? A theological question. Jesus, who had a disturbing way of answering questions with questions, asked him, well, what is written in the law? You, you are the expert. <laughs> You're in a position to test me. What is your answer? And, of course, the lawyer's answer was right. He said, well, the answer is... Uh, Love God and your neighbor as yourself. Theologically, morally, and legally, his answer was right. So Jesus said, just do it. <laughs> you know the right stuff. So now go and do it. Then the lawyer, wishing to justify himself, said, but how far do the boundaries of love extend? Who is my neighbor? A cultural question. Because according to Jewish culture in those days, you know, in Israel, the boundaries had been fixed. Neighbor meant fellow countrymen only, and others within the Jewish nation, uh, like the Pharisees, said, no, no fellow countrymen, only the one who belongs to my little religious group. 
is my neighbor. And in that way, official Judaism kept drawing the circle of responsibility smaller and smaller and smaller. So the lawyer asked, how far does that go? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied by telling a beautiful story, the one you already know because you've heard it so many times. Uh, a man was traveling between Jerusalem and Jericho, and he fell among robbers. They beat him, left him half dead. And a priest and then a Levite come, the religious pillars of Israel, didn't do anything. They left him and hurry on. Well, it has been said on their behalf that they were on their way to the temple to conduct the worship of Israel. And the law required that any priest who became in contact with a dead body had to remain out of office and go through certain ceremonies of purification before they could enter the temple again. And they said, well, they thought the man on the roadside was dead or probably would be dead, not wanting to risk a ceremonial defilement that will disqualify them from ministering in the temple, they left him and hurry on. A religious excuse. When the demands of ceremonial laws and culturally conditioned religious principles take precedence over urgent human beings, over urgent human needs, and the way we treat human beings. But in the story, you know, as long as some Jew comes and helps his fellow Jew, then the story will have a happy ending. And you know the rest of the story. Jesus introduces this other character, the Samaritan. He was not a neighbor. The hostilities were very strong between Samaritans and Jews. But he's the one who cures the man's wounds, takes him to a hospital, paid for his care, and then Jesus asked the lawyer, which of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? And the lawyer said, well, the one who showed mercy. Jesus simply said, now you go and do the same. What was Jesus thinking? What was he trying to do? Well, he was trying to bring the expert in the law to a different level. From merely testing Jesus through theological arguments and seeing Jesus through cultural glasses to the level of getting touched by Jesus, getting infected, you know, and experience the same love Jesus had, a love stronger than fear, superior to prejudice, generous, uncalculating, a love like God's love. But that is hard because it involves an inner makeover which changes your worldview. It is easier to keep seeing Jesus and be civilized keeping the commandment of loving God and neighbor culturally conditioned because, you know, after all, it is required theologically, morally, and legally. But love cannot be legislated. It is by grace that we can be like Jesus. How do we learn to love 
like the Samaritan did, like Jesus does. The clue is to be found in the teaching, love your neighbor as yourself. See, according to Jesus, if I could learn to see my neighbor as a self like me, as an extension of me, or a greater self, loving my neighbor will be as natural as loving myself. But what it takes is a fundamental change of awareness, inward transformation, which results in outward reformation of behavior. Well, <laughs> I love my neighbor. <laughs> Because Jesus' love is contagious. I, I can find myself saying, you know, whatever you do to any human being, you do it to me. <laughs> But Jesus' love is also dangerous, my friend. Jesus' love is dangerous. It might get you in trouble the way others have gotten in trouble, like Bonhoeffer, Mandela, King, and probably some of you. Germs and Jesus.